Yeah, I have to put it on. What? Uh, the order. Just, 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 just,
Are we ready? We are. You are, sir. Oh, man, I'm sorry. You want to start with prayer? Yeah. Brother David, would you lead us? Father, we just thank you for this day and your many blessings you bestow upon us, Father. We ask that you bless this uh, as it goes forth, Father, that you would open the ears of those that hear it, Father, and receive it, and uh, that you would just give us wisdom and knowledge, Father, to further proclaim that word. Help us to be faithful, Father, and honorable in all things. Give us our many sins. We pray you say in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right, everybody ready? Three, two. Welcome to the Richmond Road Baptist Church, and this is our third session of the Trail of Blood, the lectures on the Trail of Blood. And we've had quite a few that are viewing these, and I hope we continue to. And if you've got questions or comments about this, please let us have them. You know how to get them to us on the uh, Facebook or whatever you've got. It's going to be on several things. So anyway. Let us have your questions. We want to de deal with them if we can. I can't answer everything. I don't know everything. But if it's if there is an answer, I'll do my best to find it for you. So we're going to continue on now with the things that we have talked about. Uh, our handouts, we passed out a map that shows that we discussed the map. I don't think we have. Uh, and with this, this map, it's a, it's a map of the ancient world. This is from Caesar's time in uh, 60 to 44 B.C. before Christ. But it's the Mediterranean, the Mediterranean Sea, and then the southern part of Europe goes up there. There's part of uh, England, Wales, and the northern part of Africa. And there's Israel over, over here. So it's that part of the world. It wasn't all of the world. But it's that large part of the world, and that's the uh, geography that we see for Baptist or church history. And then I have these uh, chronologies. We filled out the first one. We won't start on the second one yet. Then I've got some other pictures here, and a little a little uh, test that, uh, and I've got another big test that I'm gonna pass out uh, at some point here. So anyway, uh, we're gonna. If you want these pay, uh, handouts, please let us know and we'll send them to you. Uh, on our issue of Baptist history, a lot of people, uh, run, they just get angry at it. They don't like the idea of it. That, that we're saying that Jesus started a Baptist kind of church. But I want to read you some of these, these quotes from many people, what they have to say about the very fact that Baptist kind of churches have been with us since the first century. We'd be John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. So here we have uh, John T. Christian. Now, he was a Baptist, and he wrote a good Baptist history, two volumes, one of the better ones. He says, quote, I have no question in my own mind that there has been a historical succession of Baptists from the days of Christ to the present, unquote. The next one now, there was really some controversy about this one. Even uh, Sean Hannity, uh, Fox News got into it because he's a Roman Catholic. But this has been, this has been uh, cited by many Baptist writers. And 
Sean Hannity said that it wasn't true. But if you'll get on the Baptist History homepage, uh, put out uh, work by Brother Duval over in Georgetown, best website there is on uh, Baptist History books, he found the very writings of this Hosius, a Roman Catholic cardinal. And here's the quote. Quote, were it not that the Baptists have been grievously tormented and cut off with the knife during the past 1,200 years, they would swarm in greater numbers than all the reformers, unquote. Now, that was denied vehemently by uh, Sean Hannity. Not like Sean Hannity, all right. But he was really irate over this. But the writings of Cardinal Hoses, he said a whole lot more than that. And we find out that he was not a lover of Baptists. He hated them. But he, but he had to admit that they, well, in, from the 1500s, he said 1,200 years back, that puts you in the 300s, the 4th century. Why didn't he go all the way back? Well, if you can get them to the 4th century, you better believe they're back to the 1st century. But anyway, that's, that's hoses. And that is absolutely true. All those brethren that, that cited that did not do it falsely. Then here's Henry Bullinger. Uh, he was a writer, a Protestant Swiss reformer, not a Baptist. And the Protestants had no love for Baptists either. But here's what he says, and he was 1504 to 1575. He says, quote, as early as the third century A.D., the apostate church opposed the Anabaptist, unquote. That's a Protestant reformer. Here's uh, Ulrich Zwingli. Uh, Zwingli. Uh, he's one with uh, Calvin in about that time, 1484 to 1531. They, they were friends. He says, quote, the institution of Anabaptism is no novelty, but for 1,300 years has caused great disturbance in the church, unquote. Well, they hated Anabaptism. Anabaptism is not a denominational name. I don't know why some of these people insist on naming their church as Anabaptist church. The, the true Anabaptist would never have done that because Anabaptist was a derogatory term. And they said, we're not Anabaptists. We're not rebaptizing anybody. We're baptizing them for the first time, Amen. scripturally. And then here's the next one. Uh, and I'll, uh, Lutheran. Let's see, Mosheim. I've got his writings, good uh, general historian. He, uh, Mosheim says, He's, he, now he, was a, he was a Lutheran historian. Quote, the true origin of that sect, and sect just means that group, that particular group, which acquired the denomination of the Anabaptists is hid in the remote depths of antiquity. Unquote. Now there's what a Lutheran said. And now here, yeah, about this one now. This is from Alexander Campbell, the founder, one of the founders of the Christian denomination or the Church of Christ. He says, quote, 
clouds of witnesses attest the fact that before the papery or pope, the popery, and from the apostolic age to the present time, the sentiments of Baptist and the practice of baptism has had a continued chain of advocates and public monuments of their existence in every century can be produced, unquote. Alexander Campbell. Uh, and then we have John Clark Ridpath. He's a Methodist historian. I've got his three-volume uh, histor- history books. Brother uh, W.D. Hunley, who used to be pastor of the old Fellowship Baptist Church, uh, he gave them to me. Anyway, but he says, quote, now listen, this, this you got to hear this. I should not readily admit that there was a Baptist church as far back as A.D. 100, although without doubt there were Baptists then, as all Christians were then Baptists, unquote. Now, wouldn't you love to ask him what he really meant by that? Uh, but see, when if your friends testify for you, or if your mother testifies for you, that's not very good testimony. But if your ardent enemies testify for you, you better rest assured that's good testimony. And we've got a bunch of it, of our enemies testifying for us here. Now, here's what uh, Page and Dermoot, they are royal historians to the King of Holland. And here's what, after they had done their, done their research, they had been charged or, by the King of the Netherlands to uh, trace the history of the churches and find out which church was the original church and that was the one they were going to make the national church of the Netherlands. Well, here's what they said, quote, We have now seen that the Baptists, who were formerly called Anabaptists, and in later times Mennonites were the original Waldenses. On this account, the Baptists may be considered as the only religious community which has stood since the days of the apostles and as a Christian society which has preserved pure the doctrines of the gospel through all ages, unquote. And as a result of that research that those two men found out, the king of the Netherlands called Baptist preachers together and tried to get them to agree to become the state church of the Netherlands. You know what they said? Absolutely not. We believe in separation of church and state. And they would not. Uh, I think they ended up being uh, Lutheran or something. I forgot what they are. Anyway, then here we have, now this, and you know this name, uh, from uh, 1642 to 1726. This is a very famous name, Sir Isaac Newton. Now, he is probably one of the greatest scientists to ever live. Even the evolutionists have to, but he also was a young earth creationist too. But here's what he says. Quote, Baptists maintained that they existed before the Catholic apostasy took place. That they existed alongside Catholicism after her formation and that they 
ex existed apart from Catholicism, unquote. That's Sir Isaac Newton. And then the next one, let's see what we got here. This is from G.H. Orchard, who has a, a tremendous uh, history, Baptist history book. Quote, is anabaptism or not? That is the practice of rebaptizing or baptizing those who do not have scriptural baptism, though they might have been dunked or sprinkled and all of that. If it's not scriptural, they don't receive it and they have to baptize them to receive them. Yep. So is anabaptism a novelty, meaning rare? Did it spring up in a day? Their institution of anabaptism is no novelty, but for 1,300 years has caused great disturbance in the Catholic Church, unquote. Well, then we have... Uh, Bishop Bossucht, B-O-S-S-U-C-T. No doubt that was French because it's in a letter to John Calvin and he was a French priest that withdrew from the Catholic Church and uh, was key in starting the Presbyterians. Here's what John Calvin says. And he hated Anabaptists. I've got his book, his treatise, against Anabaptists. And it's rough too, buddy, let me tell you. Quote, John Calvin claimed church succession came through the Baptists, unquote. And yet he hated them. Uh, there's another. Here's one from John Gill, English Baptist theologian. Quote, I should think the valleys of Piedmont which lie between France and Italy are intended where God has preserved and continued a set of witnesses to the truth in a succession from the beginning of the apostasy to the present time, unquote, John Gill. Uh, here's one. Uh, this is another one from the, the Dutch. One. Quote, the Baptists were the original and who have long in the history of the church received the honor of that origin. On this account, the Baptists may be considered the only Christian community which has stood since the apostles. Hmm. Uh, this uh, J.M. Cramp, he was a Baptist historian, quote, Christian history in the first century was strictly and properly Baptist history, unquote. Quote, every age brought to view champions for the true and right. And we Baptists are the Novatians, the Donatists, the Paulicians, the Petrobrusians of the 19th century. Unquote. John Cramp. This next one, I don't even know who this is from. When the aged saint of God was asked what she would be if she were not a Baptist, she replied, quote, I would be ashamed, unquote. <laughs> Then here we have a, an excellent one. This is by the man, the man himself, Charles Spurgeon. Great quote. Quote, we believe that the Baptists are the original Christians. We did not commence our existence at the Reformation. Right. Southern Baptists, you need to hear that. We were reformers before Luther or Calvin were born. We never came from the Church of Rome, or we were never in it. But we have an unbroken line up to the apostles themselves. 
We have always existed from the very days of Christ and our principles sometimes veiled and forgotten like a river which may travel underground for a little season have always had honest and holy adherence. That is those that are sticking with the, the truth. Persecuted alike by Romanists and Protestants of almost every sect, yet there has never existed a government holding Baptist principles which persecuted others. Nor, I believe, any body of Baptists ever held it to be right to put the consciences of others under the control of man. We have ever been ready to suffer as our martyrologies will prove, but we are not ready to accept any help from the state to prostitute the purity of the bride of Christ to any alliance with government, and we will never make the church the despot over the consciences of men, unquote, Charles Spurgeon. Amen. That's a great quote. And you can say what you want to about Charles Spurgeon. He stated the truth there. Now, uh, so we have plenty of testimonies to the fact. Now, let me state this here. We do not necessarily believe in a link chain succession. Personally, I believe it's there, but we can't produce it. And here's why. And you'll see after we go through some of this, the awful persecutions, the martyrdoms, the awful burnings, book burnings, record burnings, people burnings, that those records that we might prove that just don't exist. But here's what we do say that there has never been a day since Jesus Christ said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That was by days, day by day. There has never been a day since probably about 30 A.D. that somewhere on the face of the earth there have been faithful church witnesses where if somebody wanted to receive scriptural baptism, they could have gotten it. And that's just the way it works. That's what we believe. Now, they'll accuse us of saying link chain. And some have tried to make a link to it. And I'll show you eventually when we get to it uh, how the, some of them do that. And I believe it. But... <coughs> We don't have to have a link chain. If you recall, the first thing that I said, uh, starting out here, is that we have a scientific method. I want all of you intellectuals out there, all of you scientists out there, I want you to understand this. We're, we're approaching this in the scientific method respect. That's how we're coming at this. We're not doing it because of absolute faith in J.M. Carroll. We love him. Don't know any problems with him. But we're not building this on a history book. We're building this, number one, from our observation. Matthew 16 and 18, and that whole passage, I, I went through, through that the other time. I'll do it again if you want me to. Matthew 28, 19. 
few more verses at 19 and 20. But through those two passages, so well, isn't there any more than that? You mean you need more than that? I mean, if God says something once, that settles it. If he says it twice, I'd get both ears listening. So he says that, and there is no way that you can honestly uh, translate or work that, that meaning out of there without coming away with the truth that he promised perpetuity to his kind of church. Now they, the Greek words uh, asegesis, exegesis, we're saying exegesis. Amen. Where we find the truth in the scriptures. And that's what we build our doctrine on. We don't use asegesis, decide what we want to believe, and then read that back into scripture. And that's how the majority of them do it right now, brother. But we want exegesis. But we get it from the scripture. So we that's where we make our observation. Secondly, our hypothesis is based on our observation. And our hypothesis is this. We make a prediction. If Jesus, who is the second person of the triune Godhead, didn't uh, Isaiah say he's the eternal father too? If he promises continued existence to his kind of church, I think we could make a prediction based on that hypothesis. And here's the prediction. That we ought to be able to go through history. However it is. And find evidence of that kind of church existing in every century. That's our prediction. Well, and our experiment is going to be going through history. And we're going to analyze the results when we get done. That's the scientific method. I think that's pretty good myself. And that's exactly what we're doing. So we're not, we're not saying the trail of blood is absolute truth. I believe it's based on truth. And I believe it is a, as true as any history can be, but we're basing it on what the Bible teaches. Now people, and we've got so-called Reformed Baptists, they worry me more than, than others do. But you've got not only Roman Catholicism, Greek Catholicism, and you've got all of the Protestant churches that came out of the Roman Catholic and the Greek Catholic Church, and then you've got all the other spinoffs that came out from all of those. They exist on the false doctrine that the church that Jesus built died out back here. There's your dark ages. Goes all the way up there. And that now now, is this wrong? Not necessarily wrong. It's a matter of opinion as to where the dark ages started. I think it might go back even a little further than that. 
It might come up a little bit, and I got proof of that. But working with what Dr. Carroll had, that's pretty good. Do you know that modern-day historians won't even call it Dark Ages? They call it uh, medieval times. They won't even use You know why? Because this tells the truth of why they were Dark Ages, because of the stranglehold that Roman Catholicism had over medieval Europe. And we'll be talking about this. Somebody said, well, you're just going to badmouth. No, you can't teach Baptist history without telling the truth about not only Roman Catholics, Greek Catholics, and all the other Protestants, because I've got literal proof that they were all haters and persecutors of Baptists. Martin Luther, John Calvin, and a host of others. They hated them, and they were willingly murdered them. Even Calvin did, yeah. Anyway, so that's what I want you to see is we're we're not basing this on history. Now, I love history. And when we go through history and find the evidence, that's just icing on the cake. But we already have, have predicted, and we know what we're going to find, and we're not slanting at history. We've I've already read to you all of these that were even enemies of Baptists, and yet they can't even hide the truth that we do go back there. All right. Now, last time we talked about some of the things that took place before uh, Christ came into the world. Well, our chronology, we finished up Malachi at 400 uh, B.C., and then zero, the year zero, is the uh, professed year Christ was born. And we know we know that it's a little bit off there, but so there's 400 years, and all the the books say that's the 400 silent years. Well, they were anything but silent years. A lot of things happened. The only thing is, we didn't have any scripture to tell us there, so we didn't have any authority, any can Canaan authority uh, for what happened. But we've got we know some things that happened there, quite a few of them. All right, but in all this time, where was the Lord's church? Wasn't there. Right. Here's a big deal. We say we're a New Testament Baptist church because there was no church in the Old Testament. Right. And I don't care what the commentators say. There was no church of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. The big difference between the Old and the New Testament is not how sinners were saved. The big difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is the church. Now, the church was not an afterthought with God. And that's why I've taken us all the way back to the beginning. It's all part of God's plan. When Jesus Christ came into the world, he came not only to redeem the elect. He came to establish the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, with Abram, later Abraham, that's the beginning of the Jewish nation. About 500 years later, we find Moses. And Moses was raised up by God to bring the children of Israel out of bondage in Egypt 
and bring them into the promised land. Then we have the wonderful account of all of God's miracles he showed there, the plagues and all of that. And then how the, the Passover lamb, and then how they came through the Red Sea dry shod. And how did they serve God? Well, up until that time, they had served God in homes. The father of the home was the leader, or might say priest of the family. But something different happened in about 1500 when Moses went to Mount Sinai, and Brother Tim taught us how many times he went up there. Uh, <laughs> did a lot of study on that. But anyway, more than once, more than twice. Anyway, the things that Moses brought down, not only did he bring the Ten Commandments, and oh, I'd love to get on that, written in stone by the finger of God, and they haven't gone out of existence yet, friend. Amen. We're not under the law, well, neither were they, <laughs> to be saved by it. But anyway, not only did he bring down the Ten Commandments, God's absolute standard of righteousness, and if you don't keep the Ten Commandments, you're not going to go to heaven. Right. And you say, well, I can't keep them. Well, I can't either. But I have kept them in Christ. Amen. There you go. There's the righteousness. His, his earned perfect righteousness under the law. Jesus Christ kept the Ten Commandments, which is what Adam did not do. He should have, but he didn't. Anyway, he brought also the blueprint for the tabernacle. The plans for the tabernacle. You get in Exodus 25 and you see where God says, you see that you build this according to the pattern. Who, who drew the blueprints? <laughs> God Almighty did. No man did. And so Moses was the GC, general contractor, and his two major subcontractors were Aholiab and Bezalel. And they used all kinds of people who were artisans in their field of endeavor. And right there in the middle of the desert wilderness, what did they do? They built the tabernacle. And oh, is that a wonderful study. Wonderful thing they built there, that place. But here's the issue. That was the first time God had a place to be worshipped at. One place. And that's where it was, in the tabernacle. But it also told them, you can't come to God on your own. And I want to tell everybody, listen here, you can't come to God on your own either. You try to come without Jesus Christ and you can't get there. That's why Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man. That includes the Pope at Rome. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And that's what the whole tabernacle in the wilderness, that's the first and major message that it said, that man cannot approach God except it be by blood through a high priest. So, thank you, brother. And so, uh, we find out that all of that, all of that is, is simply typical of the one offering that Jesus Christ made 
on Golgotha's hill. Well, uh, some people try to say, well, what about the Passover and all that stuff? Listen, Paul says, Christ, our Passover is already sacrificed for us. We don't have those feasts. Now we go back and study them, and boy, is it beautiful. I'd enjoy, I enjoy the Day of Atonement, the Lord's goat, the scapegoat. Love all that. But that just tells me in a beautiful picture what Jesus Christ has accomplished and applied with his redemption and his work of salvation. So, by the time we open up the New Testament, here's Jesus, born of a virgin, absolutely, and he is bringing something brand new. Here's what's happening. Paul says it in the book of Romans. He says, the Gentiles, that's us. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. I don't know whether Jews listen to us. I hope there is. I love to preach to Jews. I love to talk to them. Uh, they are the God's chosen nation. That doesn't get you to heaven. But anyway, so he says, the wild olive tree, that's Gentile have been grafted in to the natural branch. And what's happened to the Jewish nation? God has cut them off until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. That's right. And that hasn't happened yet. Right. Anyway, would you say, well, so how are the Jews saved? Exactly like Abraham. <laughs> That's how we're saved. We Gentiles were saved exactly like that Gentile Abraham was saved. <laughs> I've made Jews mad by that, but it's true. Abraham wasn't a Jew. Matter of fact, before Abraham, there wasn't any Jews. But God took Abraham out of a heathen land and effected in him salvation. And Abraham believed God and God counted to him for righteousness way before he was ever circumcised. So he wasn't saved by what he did. He was saved by grace through faith. He said, how was it in the Lord Jesus Christ? Wait. What did Abraham see on Mount Moriah when he took his own begotten son? His only son. His old age. And took him up on Mount Moriah, and God said, I'll provide a sacrifice here. You take him up there to sacrifice. And he lays Isaac down. Isaac, very obedient. And Abraham raised up that knife to plunge it in his own son. He said, Boy, how could you do that? Well, he was what he was doing was showing us what God did yes. on Calvary. But when he got ready to put the knife in, he heard a symphony, magnificent symphony, a bunch of branches rubbing together. He looked around, and there was the ram, Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. That's what he called him there. 
and he did provide. He got his son, received his son again, just as if it was even a resurrection because in his own mind, he had already killed him. I know we don't murder our sons, our people. But God put Abraham in the position that he was in. That Abraham and everybody that ever reads the Bible could see exactly what happened when it pleased God to put Jesus to death on the cross. All right, so the Old Testament, how were they, the Old Testament saints saved? Well, Abraham is the type of it to tell okay. us. Abraham is the father of the faithful. Amen. Look at the book of Galatians. He's the father of those that believe. If you have believed to the saving of your soul in the Lord Jesus Christ, Abraham is your spiritual father. That does not annihilate the Jewish nation. If the Jews don't come the way we come, they won't come at all. All right. So, how did you serve the Lord in the Old Testament? You did it first in the tabernacle through the offerings. And that lasted for 500 years. Can you imagine a tent being moved often? For 500 years and still being good. How well did they build it? Yeah, right. So, but what happened in David and Solomon? There David gathers the material. And this is uh, around 1000 BC, 930 BC. But David couldn't build it. Solomon did. That's Solomon. He's the son. And so Solomon took the material and he didn't do it with his hands, but with the others. He commanded it. They built the temple. So now then in the time after Solomon, they served the Lord through the temple. Now that temple lasted, I think 586 was the first time it was tore down. And then it was rebuilt by uh, Zerubbabel, and then under the Herods, it was remodeled. And so by the time that we come in to the New Testament times, the temple that Jesus, when he was a young man, went into, that was, the, that was an old temple by then. It had been a thousand years and rebuilt three times, two or three times anyway. And so that was a temple, Herod's temple. That's the one that was there in Jesus' public ministry. Now, something happened that God had already determined. His people, the Jews, had rebelled against him, and he turned from them. Now, some of them try to say that he wiped out the Jewish nation. That's not true. That's a big lie. Uh, God is a covenant-keeping God. And God has said so many times, this was his nation. So the Jewish, Jewish nation is God's national people, his national group. That didn't save any Jew. They were never 
saved by keeping the law. Nobody ever was because nobody could keep the law. After Adam, after Adam fell, the whole human race was in uh, cursed in depravity. And so no, no change in nature had ever taken place. So nobody was ever saved by keeping the law. Nothing wrong with the law, but it was weak through the flesh. And so that's why Jesus had to come and Jesus became a man. He was as much man as he was God, as much God as he was man. Jesus was in the same position as Adam was when Adam was created, specially created by God. Adam wasn't generally created. He was specially created by God out of the dust of the earth. Well, Adam was a free moral agent. Adam had a choice. He could choose to either obey God or choose to rebel at God. So I believe in man's free will. Oh, you shouldn't. You ought to believe in Adam's free will before he sinned. Because he's the only one that ever had a free will. And Adam exercised that will when he sinned against God. And by so doing, he plunged as federal head of the race, he plunged the whole human race into sin. And we still have the absolute obligation to obey God's laws. Even though the Gentiles didn't have them, we have them written in our hearts. Read Romans 2. Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things that are contained in the law. They become a law unto themselves. Isn't that a quote right there? Amen. All right. And that's so that's where we are. Gentiles are. So we were guilty by the same law that the Jews were guilty by. And unless we have a law keeper, we're of all men most miserable. But we have a law keeper. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he, as a man, subjected himself to the laws of God. And he obeyed every jot and tittle of the law. He kept the law. He did it willingly. Some say he did it because he was God. No, no, no. No, no, no. We don't need God to keep the law. What are you talking about? We need a man to keep the law. And Jesus became a man. Was it the God man? Yes, but I can't explain all that. And you can't either. You think you can. You, you're wrong. You can't explain it any better than I can. Well, I, but I believe it. Absolutely. So, he did no sin. Isn't that what scripture says? He did no sin. He said he could not sin. No, no. You're, you're destroying his humanity right there. He did no sin. He made a conscious choice. To not sin. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Amen. And there's a catcher right there. But being as that's true, then in the time that he came, because that was fullness of the time, but he went to the cross of Calvary and he opened not his mouth. Amen. Why didn't Jesus say something? I would have. You would have. You know, you hate to be accused of something you're not guilty of. Don't uh, I hate to be accused of something, and I can't hardly keep my mouth shut. It's uh, being accused of something I'm not guilty of. I don't know that I've ever kept my mouth shut in, in that. 
I don't think I have. Don't think I'm going to. Accuse me of something I'm not guilty of. But see, when they accused Jesus, he wasn't guilty of what they said. He was guilty of what God said. He became guilty for all of the sins of all of the elect. That's who he died for. But not only did he die for them, pay for their sin debt, went to the grave, and 72 hours later, he arose. I mean 72 hours later, he arose. Any less than that, you're denying the gospel. Amen. Yeah. If you take it from Friday afternoon to Sunday morning, you're denying the gospel. Anyway, I had to get that in. You know I did. Anyway, now Jesus Christ suffered for all the sins of all of his people. He died tasting death for every one of his elect. He was buried and 72 hours later, He arose, conquering death in the grave. Now, when you come to Christ by faith, you're completely saved. You have all of the law kept in your behalf. You've kept the law, and all of your sins have been paid for, and death has been conquered in your behalf. So when you die, you go right to be with the Lord. All right. Amen. Anyway, so now we get into the to the first century. If you've got a trail of blood book, we'll, if you don't don't have one, we'll send you one, or you can get them at Bryan Station Baptist Church. All right. On our chart, the first point up there, that number one hundred, that's the first century, and those are things that happened in that first century. So you see that word irregular churches. That would be the black dots. Those are churches that started out more or less being good churches, but they went into heresy. Well, that happens a lot. It happens a lot today. We've seen it happen in central Kentucky, Lexington, Fayette County, and all around. We've seen the fellowships just fall off because the churches turning against what they used to teach. And then those that remain true to the faith, they can't have fellowship with that. So then we develop these irregular churches. That's the black dots. Now the red dots, that indicates the churches that remain faithful to the doctrines, to the truth, once delivered uh, by the apostles to the saints, the scriptures. And so their color is red because of the trail of blood, because most of them suffered horrendous persecutions in order to go through this. Now, let me say this. I mentioned to you Nimrod, Semiramis, and Tamus way back at the Tower of Babel. Then I mentioned to you uh, Hindu, Buddhist, uh, Zoroaster, Persian dualism, uh, and those are all philosophies and religions that existed back before the first century. Now, they still existed during the first century. Something else that existed 
from the Greeks and the Romans was Greek and Roman mythology. And pretty much the Roman mythology was a takeoff of the Greek mythology. But different names, but but the stuff's all the same. And really it all goes back to Tower of Babel and Nimrod and Semiramis. All right. So that's the world they're dealing with. Well, you know what? We are dealing with the world very similar to that right now. There are more people that are more aware of Greek mythology and false religions than are aware of the Bible. There used to be a time when most people raised in the United States would have a, at least a working knowledge of the Bible. There used to be a time, McGuffey's readers back, back in the day, 1800s and all that, uh, you can still get them, in, they're in print today, I think they are. You read the McGuffey's readers, they were full of scripture. And that's how people learn to read, uh, is, is with the Bible. That was a tremendous education that they got, but not now. Now we have a whole generation that know nothing of the scriptures. Well, that presents a different world for us to be in. I'll give you two examples here. <clears throat> when Jesus dealt with the Jews, Paul dealt with the Jews. They, he, they talk to the Jews much differently than Paul did with the Gentiles. And why was that? Because the Jews had a working knowledge of Scripture and the Gentiles had no knowledge of the Scriptures. So we pretty much got the same kind of world. Well, all right. So it didn't take long. You see all the epistles that Paul wrote, most of what he wrote about was about heresies that were entering into the churches, into the churches of Galatia. Matter of fact, the churches of Galatia, Paul says, I'm afraid of you. Am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? The Paul that they once listened to, his gospel, they began to go against it because they were being they were being influenced away by philosophy and vain deceit. And that's what he warned against in, uh, in the book of Colossians, uh, that philosophy and then science falsely so-called. And that's how he, he observed. Well, our, our generation in schools, they have been fed evolution from a, child, from a baby the television programs, uh, the cartoons, everything is all about evolution. And children are taught that. And then they bring up the dinosaurs and the dinosaurs. Well, we know the first thing about dinosaurs is they all died out 65 million years ago. That's what every one of them know that. Well, how old are the dinosaurs? Well, they died out 65 million years ago. How do you know that? Somebody told you that. They don't know that. Uh, all we know is that they died. How did they die? Well, let's talk about there's a, a big asteroid that, that hit in the Gulf of Mexico, and that killed all the dinosaurs. Boy, I think splashed for a long ways, didn't it? Because 
you find more dinosaurs in Montana when you dig in Montana than you do anywhere else. And I guess it's knock them all up there or something. I don't know what in the world it is to them. Anyway, it's just so ridiculous. And they'll take anything to uh, deny the word of God. All right. But all of these philosophers, they have all infiltrated. In, and it's still working, folks. All of that is still working. Those philosophies are taught in, in uh, universities and all. What do those teachers learn them? And then they take them to school and then they teach all that. And you've got them even saying, what's that guy's name? Lawrence Krauss from Arizona State? He and the 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 the, the other one that's got three names. Uh the scientist, astronomer. Neil, I, Neil deGrasse. Neil deGrasse, yeah, Grassy, yeah. He says, go ahead and wash worship the sun. The sun. The sun is, didn't do anything for us except it's doing what God put it up there doing. The sun's not alive. How do you worship something like that? That's paganism. That's the absolute ridiculous paganism. All right, so all of those, those uh, philosophies and those religions, they all play a big, big part in this. And that first century, I'm going to have to quit here in just a second. Uh, you've got there, Jesus organizes his church, right up there. Jesus organized his church. And he's got the scriptures, Mark 3, 16, 18, 16 through 18. And we talked about that as also Matthew 16 and verse 18. And then you come down and you see Christians, that's bridging uh, two centuries there. And then the very bottom there's England. Well, that's how early, that's how early the gospel Got to England. Well, you go into the scriptures and you see when Paul was in prison, there was Claudia and Pudens. They were Welshmen and they were saved under the ministry of Paul. And when they went back, all roads led to Rome and they had freedom to travel. They go back to Wales and they take the gospel there. Well, if you read a, uh, read uh, uh, Davis's history of the Welsh Baptists, their old history says that's how they got in Wales was with Claudia and Pudens, man to woman. That's early in the first century. So the truth has been in Wales, England, since the first century. That's a pretty good deal. Now what I'm going to try to do, I will try to do it, I'll try to do it, get, get it all done. Everything at this chart states we're going to talk about. Next time, we'll talk about some of the uh, heresies that develop. And we have to talk about them because that's that's where our history goes. All of them didn't, didn't go to it, though. They'll, many of them remain true to the faith once delivered to the saints. May the Lord bless you all. We'll try it on the next time.